Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan and Rockefeller Center Newsstand Studios. Not joined as usual with Nastasia Hammer Lopez. Even though she is a grown woman, she is helping a friend of hers move. How you doing, Stas? You're oh, somewhere oh on this. Oh my God, I am good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Grown yeah. woman. Grown woman. Uh, little known fact. Uh, back in the day, Nastasia's thing used to be. Will you help me move? And then her favorite thing to do would be to rent the tiniest zip car possible to move all of her crap. And there's also, you know, Nastasia, like most of us, like most of us, Nastasia loves, loves like a fifth or sixth floor walk up. She's like, is it basically illegal to walk up that many stairs? Let's get my friends to move. Yeah, yeah that's, that's Nastasia. So I guess this is karma. I don't know why we're paying for your karma, but there you go. You know what I mean? I hope that yeah. I pay for my own yeah. karma and that nobody else pays for my karma. Anyway, uh, also joined uh, Rocking the Booth here. We got uh, Joe Hazen. How you doing? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing great, man. <laughs> I like that. You got to get that. That's like a, that's some sort of 70s, like... <laughs> Sorry, the bad mute finger. Oh, I like that. Bad mute finger. Oh, my God. What a great band. What do they cover? <laughs> Is that like a... That's, that's a Soundgarden cover band, Bad Mute Finger, right? It's like right next to the suck button, wow. so yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. All right. Uh, behind me, we have again this week, uh, John Hull. How you doing? Doing great, thanks. Yeah, yeah. How's the, how's that chef and treating you over at the at the Temperance? It's great. Yeah. Having fun. Saw Sargon the other day, one of our listeners, yeah. and then another person. Another. I didn't catch your name, Patreon listener, but I was going to give you Twinkies, and you left like right before I was supposed to give you the Twinkies is it a, with your is daughter it a, and wife. Is it a fancy Twinkie? It was like a test on a Twinkie. I don't know. I'm not getting the batter right yet. And I also don't think the Twinkie pan itself is very good. I have a Twinkie. I have several Twinkie pans. It's, it's, you can see where it's browning in weird places and staying pretty pale in other places. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's another thing about Twinkies. The, the, the actual Twinkie, like I love them, but they're not good. Maybe the problem is that. The Twinkie is not good? Twinkie is not actually a well-made product. If you had never had a Twinkie before, and I hand you a Twinkie, you'd be like, why is this cake so gummy on the outside and yet so dry in the middle? And the, 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 the goop is fine, but it's not like what you would make yourself. My point is that I love Twinkies, yeah, but if someone great. handed you a Twinkie and you'd never had a Twinkie before, you'd be like, come back to me when you fix the cake. Uh, maybe. I don't know, dude. I love Twinkies. They're great. I, I also like yeah. Twinkies. What's the most you've ever eaten in one shot? Man, I don't know. Maybe like five or six? Ten. Jesus. You know why? They come in a ten box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm not coming to you as a Twinkie hater here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? All right. Uh, in California, rocking the Discord, we got uh, we got my man Jackie Molecules. How you doing? I'm very good. And ten Twinkies at once sounds really disgusting, dude. Yeah. That's... Yeah, that's a lot. Man. You know what? You know what? I washed it down with. It's gonna oh make it, it's make it even grosser. Mountain right? Dew, Mountain no, Dew. Oh no, Mountain I love Dew. I love Mountain myself Dew. some Mountain Dew. And by the way, it was Diet Mountain Dew back in the day. No, no, Diet Tonic Water, a liter of Schweppes Diet Tonic oh Water. God. Ten Twinkies and a liter of uh, Schweppes Diet Tonic Water. And I was learning physics. It was the summer times, and I was taking a summer class on physics. And that's what, but my physics teacher, his daily lunch was and stank up the whole room was one of those giant tins of kippered fish. You know what I'm talking about? So we were talking about physics and he would yeah. like bust out his weird, skinny, tall dude. And he would bust out his kipper snacks and be like, <laughs> we're like, oh man, with the kippers, with the kippers again. They're good though. I do like kipper snacks. So, uh, 
I'm going to introduce our guest so that uh, he can uh, whatever, weigh in on whatever is going to go on. But we have uh, we have John's sommelier. So there's also somebody else on the phone too. Oh, really? Who did I miss? Oh, Quinn, Jesus! Yeah. Well, he's coming in. He's Quinn. Quinn Futurele is actually the star of the show today because <laughs> all the way from Canada, he shipped us a care package of Canadian treats that we're going to be tasting alongside uh, our other special guest. Sorry, Quinn. My mind is uh, yeah. fried because it's no the worries. UN General Assembly here, <laughs> and like I thought I wasn't going to make it to the studio in time, uh, and we have a lot to, to, to get through. But uh, today's in-studio guest is uh, Virgil San Miguel, who is the sommelier. John, what do you think? What, when people say sommelier, does it bend you, or are you okay with it? I, I mean, it bends me a little bit, but you know, it is what it is. Give me, this, give me the full French. Sommelier. Oh, yeah. One more time. Sommelier. Oh, yeah. All right. So uh, Virgil is, a, I'm just going to say Psalm, so I don't well, have to worry about Beverage director. Beverage director. manager. Yeah. What's better? I don't know. Psalm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no like, international, like, uh, there's no, like, international uh, society of beverage directors. Exactly. <laughs> True. True. You know what I mean? You're, people don't take tests to see whether they rate as a top-end beverage director. That's just like, yeah, I want to give you a title. How about beverage director? <laughs> Did you order the cases of Pepsi? Beverage director. Anyway. Okay, fair. fair. Um, I mean, whatever. Whatever. It has its place. Uh, so anyway, so maybe you can explain to me, Virgil, uh, why the place is called uh, Temperance, even though obviously it is not a temperance. Why, or, and why don't you tell me some of the philosophy behind it? Uh, yeah. What, well, I th- well, this is based from my, from my boss, John. He says that... Uh, after pandemic, he they assume that people will be uh, well. Temperance just means moderation. Uh, not, it has nothing to do with the uh, temperance movement in uh, back in the prohibition. All right, so it's not uh, related to like no. Carrie Nation and no, no, nothing. American about temperance. That. Okay. It's just basically uh, just moderation. Like right. they assume that people after the pandemic will do everything in moderation. Uh-huh. I still kind of contradict to like yeah. hundred wine by the glass. Right. But. And uh, that hasn't been my experience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, people do things in moderation. Yeah. After the pandemic. Welcome back to. Uh, all right, so, so Virgil, uh, well, real quick, just so people can get, so you started in coffee and then moved to wine? Yeah, I was in coffee business for, well, I've always been in the hospitality uh, industry, like I work as a, a housekeeper uh, in, uh, in Aspen, Colorado. Oh, my God, what was uh, that like? The people suck, right? Oh, it was, it was I mean, a not good the experience. People. Yeah. Not the people, but, I mean, come on. I've seen, like, it's just crazy. They're not connected to reality with no. the amount of money. No oh, reality no. connection. No, I love Aspen. It's like, uh, I'm, I'm like a semi-local there. I never go there. I know a lot of people in right. Aspen. But what's, I it, what's it like working with people who are completely disconnected from reality? It's, you learn a lot from them in a way that you're kind of curious uh, what they do for a living, <laughs> how... But but some of them very nice, really nice people yeah, yeah. are very uh, uh, down to earth, uh-huh. and you don't often see them like bragging or hear them bragging about stuff. You will just like eavesdrop and like hear them you know, talking about their private lane <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I asked one guest uh, when I used to work in a coffee shop in Aspen. I asked one guest if. Uh, uh, what airlines they took. He said, no, we have our own jet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no biggie. <laughs> exactly. No biggie. That's just like us, right, Stas? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Sure. But I, I started as a working as a housekeeper, uh, uh, working as a bartender. Uh, in briefly, Aspen. In Aspen. Uh, in New York as well. And I work as a, in a coffee shop uh, for like 10 years because I, I like the 
the craziness, the crazy science behind coffee. So what's the difference making coffee at altitude? Oh, it's uh, we have to change the uh, uh, the machine. Uh, we have to calibrate it almost every three hours uh-huh. because it's it changed a lot. Temperature affects the it's coffee. Also, so dry up there. It's so dry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's the relative humidity up there? Like 11, 10, 11 percent? Something Roughly, crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It's I actually just did a whole bunch of studies on uh, flower moisture and uh, relative humidity that no one's going to care about, but I'll, maybe I'll put it on Twitter later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so okay, so so how, you're in Aspen for like ten years then? No, on and off, uh, probably three years, roughly. Yeah. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I've said on the air before, the only time I've ever been winded doing bartending was when I flew into Aspen and had to tend bar at the top of the mountain that night. Oh, my yeah. God. It, like, takes it out of you like, going up to heights because I'm, yeah. I'm not used to it. It's lo- insane, yeah. I'm a low lander. All right, so then you moved uh, where? Here to New York? New York. Uh, I worked in some restaurant back in 2009, and uh, uh, I was always fascinated with wine, but it's it's a hard uh, business to get into. It's You need to study a lot. You need to know a lot of people, good connections, uh, and you need to drink a lot of wines. And it took me a while to really get into, break into the like business. Yeah, it is kind of closed it off in that way too. Also like, uh, I found that sommeliers are the hardest group of people to hang with when you go out because they just can take down yep. oceans of liquid. They're just like bartenders. I mean, it's just nuts. Like it's just crazy. You yeah. I, mean? I think we build up this, uh, Tolerance hood. I mean, you know, alcohol. But one thing about Simulia, most Simulia that I know don't like shots. They don't drink shots. Uh, Why would you do? Shots aren't actually. A, I'm sorry. I'm gonna. I'm alienated. First of all, anyone from Colorado already today. I take it back. Whatever <laughs> it is. And also, like, I'm about to alienate like everybody else. But like, I don't like shots either, man. I, I don't like. I'm not a fan of shots. What's but... the point? Like, I will drink enough if I want to get drunk. I will drink enough over the exactly, course of the night. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't need that. It's very dangerous, too. Yeah, it's just not... uh, This is why I think... First of all, the the tradition of shots towards... It's always at the end of the night, which is the worst time to have shots, right? This is why I think every bar should have a potted plant near the bar somewhere so that people like me can just dump their shots (laughs) into the potted plant without looking rude. You know? I mean, it has to be a very alcohol-tolerant plant. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so now I have a couple questions for you. So Jackie Molecules, who's uh, rocking up in uh, L.A. over there, like, you know, enjoying whatever is happening in L.A., uh, he thinks that if he was on a first date, I'm getting your opinion, Virgil. He's on a first date, Mm -hmm. and she brings to his house a bottle of $12 California Merlot that he should just be like, "Mm, this date's over, goodbye. What do you think? (laughs) Oh, that's a very... uh that depends who the person is, I guess. That you can, because, like for me, if you're gonna bring me wine, like uh, you get a two back chalk, I, I uh, will not. Dude, be, he just died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. A few days ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will not say like no to it. I, uh-huh. I will, I will still drink it because I. This is respect to someone. See uh, what I mean, Jack? Not a snob. Yeah, I, I am not a <laughs> snob at all. I'm completely <laughs> opposite. <laughs> Uh, I drank the wine. <laughs> just like, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. And uh, secondly, I need to hear this story before another week goes by because uh, you know we won't talk about it. So Nastasia is in this on this island off the coast of Sicily. Am I correct, Stas? Yes. Yeah. And someone was cooking, right? Yes. She's not out at a restaurant, and they they served you a yeah. horse. How was it? 
Oh my God. Uh, it was very irony, like incredibly irony and chewy. And it was like um, shredded horse. Like tacos? Yeah. Yes, like that kind of. It was a horse like on bread. Horse on bread. But it like had a flavor. Horse on bread, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, but the flavor was just like, like almost like liver. It was bad. I did not like it. I really didn't like it. Plus, there were horses standing like a couple feet away. So you're like looking at them while you're eating them. Did you say, hey, buddy, <laughs> when you were eating? Is that what you did? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> also, the restaurant didn't have a bathroom. And when I said I needed to use the bathroom, they said, oh, just go by the horses. And so I uh, yeah. went uh. by the horses. It's the circle of poo. Right? They, they eat it, then you eat them. It just goes around. Yeah. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And uh, see. Yeah. yeah. Any, any other interesting food stories from, uh, from that island? No, that's the most. Sounds like an one. old horse. Like a lot of animals when they get old. I mean, I'm, I've heard horse meat's very dark, right? But a lot of animals when they get older get more and more kind of that uh, irony, like livery tasting stuff. Uh John, you're a you're a francophile, so you've uh, you've uh, taken down some uh, yeah. what is it Ch- chevaux? What is it? Ch- yeah, cheval. Cheval. Yeah, yeah, you've taken down some of that stuff in the in the past. What are your thoughts on it? Did Nastasia just have bad horse? I think so. I don't know. I've had it as steaks before in yeah. Belgium. Yeah, and it's they're pretty tasty. I would you know if I go back and it's on the menu, I'd probably get it again. So what you're it saying is a little more minerally and irony. Are you are you saying steak, Nastasia but. had the equivalent of like deep fried gator, like whatever the Sicilian equivalent of some bayou weirdo who just like shot, cut apart an alligator and threw it in their freezer and then sold it to Nastasia and Piper? She had the equivalent of that in Sicily, whatever that equivalent is. I guess the the equivalent of like you know the guy on the Connecticut River with a tire fire and a uh, handle yeah. of uh, Jack Cap- Morgan, uh, yeah, Captain, Captain Morgan's, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, I All right. guess. All right, fine. I like that. I like I like uh, I like seeing whatever the the lo- you know the local folks are really yeah. like. Not the not the sanitized version. I want the you know yeah the actual absolutely. version. You know the the fewest teeth possible is the most accurate version of wherever you're going. You know. <laughs> yep. Totally. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, since we have uh, limited time here, why don't we? Why don't you guys organize the tasting, and I'll tell a little bit of because because uh, Virgil brought some wines to taste, and Quinn sent us this crazy care package. But I don't know how we're going to combine these stuff. We should save all the acidic stuff for later, right? Uh, so, John, why don't you figure out like what we're gonna like what we're gonna pair with what? And I'll just mention Bagel Fest real quick. I was at the Bagel Fest this weekend, uh, and. Uh, it was a much more mellow affair than the very first Bagel Fest. The first Bagel Fest was like like crazy, like overrun with people. But I was a judge, so I had to eat like 14 different bagels. And by the way, I apologize in advance. Every time we do a – well, the one time we did a wine tasting show, it was half the people's favorite show ever and half the people's least favorite show of all time, including John. John hated that show, right, Stas? Nah, she might not be able to talk. She's on John the hated it? John hated that I show. Didn't, I didn't even know John – he listened to it. He listened to it, and he was like, oh, yeah, that show sucked. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Now that he's okay. on it, I'm sure he'll like okay. it. Anyone that gets to taste the wine is going to be fine. But this is not a rock and roll exactly. wine show. It's not a rock and roll wine show. It's still no. just no. food-related. Yeah, food-related. Uh, anyway, so at Bagel Fest, there are a lot of really cool new uh, bagel places uh, that are coming out that are doing a newer style of bagel, like very chewy, crunchy, or cr- like very good crust. But I see a lot of people with lighter interiors, people using interesting flowers. If you're in New Haven, check out Olmo. 
or if you are anywhere yeah. where Pop Up Bagel is uh, is doing something, go check out Pop Up Bagel. And uh, the weeded people, the pizza folks out in Brooklyn, are now making a bagel, and it's definitely worth going and trying there. That's a complete sourdough bagel. The person who's using the flour that I think is the most flour that I think is the most interesting are the Omo folks. Uh, Craig, what's his name? I don't know. In uh, in uh, New Haven. But if you're anywhere near New Haven, go check out uh, Omo's Bagels. You've had it, John? I have not, but I know of them. Yeah. Of that place. Their, ba- yeah. their bagel is really good. And it's, uh, I don't want to like necessarily give out, although he'll tell you all of his secrets. I think we should just have him on the show at some point because his bagel is completely non-traditional from soup to nuts. He's using warthog. Uh, the wheat he's using is warthog. He's using an 82% extraction flour. And 82 to 87% extraction flour off of a stone grind with a sift is my absolute favorite style of flour to use. And he's the only person I know in the bagel in, in the bagel community. Um, I'm sure there are others, but he's the one I know of that's using it. And he's also doing some other interesting stuff. So whatever. Whatever. All right. So have you guys uh, curated our tasting now? No? I think so. I mean, I, I showed so, yeah. we've got some virtual. You want to start with the, the hickory sticks? All right. So we take the we, hickory. We yep. taste the wine. We take a question. Okay. We taste the wine. We take, we like, as we're tasting okay. the wine, we take a question. Does this sound fair? So we get through some of these sure, questions? Sure, sure. Right. Yeah. All right. So what are we doing? So first, we're going to taste this diamond uh, variety from Channing Daughters in Long Island. The grape itself is from Finger Lakes, but the winery is in uh, Hamptons. Okay. And has New York o- been o- be able to overcome the, pro- the value proposition problem where it's just much more expensive to make wine per bottle in New York than it is in California, so it's hard to get a good deal here? Or they haven't fixed that problem yet? I think they already fixed that because yeah. there are more reasonable price now in uh, uh, wine in, in New York than yeah. California. Yeah. Uh, Napa Valley land itself is very expensive compared to uh, Finger Lakes. Right. Say like uh, Paul Hatch just bought a property in Finger Lakes as well uh, because it's it's cheaper and, right, and it, the weather's nicer. It used to be that the va- like years ago, like a decade ago, it was like the value proposition on New York wasn't as high because yeah. their economies of scale hadn't reached where they mm-hmm. needed to reach yet. You know, so you think that they've fixed that. In fact, it's better yeah. than California now. Yeah, value exactly. Okay, yeah. interesting. And, yeah, I think the uh, the the number of uh, uh, winemaker grew as well. Don't you have a glass? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what am I? I'm a beast? I'm just, <laughs> give me food. I'm, 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 uh, I'm King Chuck E. Cheese the third, just brushing yeah, away the pen exactly. on the desk. Did you guys see that? When Charles like became king and he had this like pen thing on the desk and he's like, away with this. Away. <laughs> Missed that. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I don't really care about the royals, but that was a hilarious yeah. Hilarious thing. All right. So describe this. Describe this. Uh, describe it real quick again. So it's a. It's a. It's a diamond variety. Diamond is a New York grapes. Basically, it's a hybrid of uh, Concord and Iona. Iona is. Oh, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's your to New York. It it doesn't really. Uh, it's kind of like. You only find it in New York. It's kind of hard to grow somewhere else. Is this picture from the Grapes of New York? Is it one of the yeah. old, you know that book, The Grapes of New York? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not. U.P. Hedrick. Yeah, look, yeah. Look, well, I'll look it up. I'll look up that picture, and I'll see if it's from the Grapes of New yeah. York, but it's one of the greatest, well, you know, it's one of the top six f- New York's fruit books, but that's not saying a lot because they're all from that one series. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's great. All right. So Diamond is very grapey, very oh my God, foxy. Yeah, it's got a fox, yeh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Almost how, smell like how much uh, the bottle comfort. is this, and it's bubbly. Oh, it's uh, about twenty dollars a glass. So we're by the glass bar. Uh, so everything's priced by the glass. Right, it but if someone's going to buy the bottle, like we one. just multiply it to five. All right, basically. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I meant I meant like in a store, or in is it not store? available in a store? No, it is available in store. You can actually go to Shining Daughters in in Hamptons, and I uh, can get a bottle. Of this. Yeah. 
Uh, so it's, it's super about like 25 uh, maybe roughly. Yeah. So it's super foxy. So any European, if any European can hear me, they would hate the hell out of this. They would hate it. But, you know, the muscat is kind of the same grapey notes as well. Yeah, but they, they have a visceral internal reaction yeah. to that smell. They're like, Ugh. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I think they're wrong. Yeah. I don't think this is cloying or effed up. What do you think, John? No, you're, you're half European there. What do you think? No, I, I like this a lot. You're half a euro. Also, lightly bubbly. It's bet, bet not. Uh, about like 10% alcohol on this one. They sure like breakfast wine. Right, <laughs> right. So it's got like... It's got, does it have a little acetic in the back or no? Yeah. A little acetic yeah. in the back. What are your thoughts on acetic in, in wine? You're, you're, I think it works okay in this one, but like in general, acetic uh, well, worries me a little bit, but. Acid is it's a very important compound of wine. It's uh, served as a uh, uh, preservative as well. That's why a wine's higher acids often good for aging. Right. But I mean, there's a difference between like a malic or like a, lactic, a tauric yeah, or lactic yeah. and acetic, right? Yeah. So like, you know, like a, like any sort of like acetic aroma, like I know there's been some, especially, uh, you know, in natural yeah. wine, there's been... Oh, you mean that kind of like EA, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 volatile yeah. acidity. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, the yeah. Kind of a little bit. There's not a lot here, yeah. but there's some, right? Yes. So you're okay with a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I guess, in this style, it would work, like, whereas it wouldn't work in, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but, but like, it yeah. it's it's brings some uh, uh, complexity in wine. All right. So, Justin Freud asks, uh, I'm sure there's a long paper with a definitive answer, but what causes the dry mouth in quotes scare quotes? My wife calls them scare quotes. I think that's what editors call them. Do you heard that term scare quotes? Scare quotes. Scare yeah. quotes. Yeah. So it's like dry mouth. So you're supposed oh. to put quotes around it and it's supposed to make it look scary. Oh, okay. Scare quotes. So like editors frown on the scare quotes, but I use them sometimes, but not even to make people scared, just to be like, I don't mean this, but this is what people say. But of course now I'm not allowed to say this is what people say anymore because of our cultural experience with how that works now. Uh, anyway, but what causes the dry mouth feeling when drinking red wine? I've always attributed it to tannins, but I honestly have no clue. Uh, and if the first part of this doesn't have an answer, what does it mean for a wine to be tannic? I mean, uh, so do you have a, a point of view on, on tannins? Yeah, tannins is a, a penolic compound of wine. So you have the anthocyanins that gives a, a, a color and you have the tannin that gives a structure. Basically, that's directly responsible for dryness on your mouth. It's the feeling of astringency kind of in your mouth. Uh, the reason why that happens is because tannin binds with protein. So once you have the, drink the wine, it's immediately combined, bind with the protein in your mouth. Uh, and when you spit the, 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 the wine, you will see a lot of like solidified kind of like mucus almost looks like in a, in a bucket. Sell it, Virgil. Sell it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, because of that. So it's a, it's a tannin. It's, it's a compound that's very important in wine. It's an antioxidant as well. Uh, it's a protector wine. So wine that high in tannin tends to demand food. Like you, when you're drinking wine that's very high in tannin, you need food for that. Or you need to age it a little bit more. All right. And, uh, and uh, John, what are we eating with, uh, with our Channing daughters? Uh, the ricotta on focaccia? What? Uh, no, 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 not at the restaurant. Oh, Although here. that's interesting. Oh, what are okay, we eating well, right now? What, what Canadian snack? All right, sticks. Sticks. Uh, pass me the hickey, hickey. So this is a Canadian take on Andy Cap Fry, but with smoke flavor. Smells like it. Looks like it. It looks like a smoky Andy Cap. You guys have all had Andy Cap fries, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, Joe, so. Joe can have some of these. Joe, you can have some of these, right? 
All right, so I'm going to I'm going to you guys chew while I talk and then I'm going to and then I will go back and stay away from the mic or people will threaten to murder us. So, um you should uh take uh Justa Freud, take a like a wine that has a lot of skin contact, same grape with a lot of skin contact with like red. What I mean is not skin contact. I mean like red wine and then a white wine made from the same grape. And you can see because one, the drying stuff comes from the skins, which is where all of the polyphenols are, or taste things like tea, but in your mind you have to separate the bitterness because tannins aren't bitter. They're just that thing that binds with your mouth, like Virgil was saying. So what's a good what's a good grape, tannin, not tannin, white to red, same grape? What's a good wine they should uh, do a side-by-side on just to see the effect of the skin's tannins? Biscuit tannin, uh, a pinot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they're, yeah, they're lighter though. Yeah, they're what's, lighter. Like, what's like a super tannic? So, if you never, if you never had a baga, try baga, which I have actually here. Uh, baga is very tannic uh, mm-hmm. wine. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon as well depends, oh, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah, yeah. where you're coming from. But uh, they tend to be high in tannin. That's why they they're good for aging. Right. But so uh, yeah. So just try one that's white and one that's red. Same grape, tannic, not tannic, and you can yeah. see what the tannins are. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's like a, I thought you're gonna make like no, no, no. Uh, same from, Like, like okay. You know who makes a, de- a good white zin? Have you had the uh, Turley's white zin? I just yeah. had it for the first time. <laughs> it's good, dude. It's dry. It's good. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You're la- laughing at me, John. Well, that's how we spend so much time with that sk- the Skernick, right? Christina that Turley. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But so they have a white zin that's like really not that expensive. It's like thirty dollars in the store, right? Uh-huh. And. Uh, and it's good that you could taste that against one of their like monster fruit bomb yeah. giant. Was that? Sweet, like white Zinfandel? No. Oh, no, the dry white Zinfandel. Yeah, yeah. it's dry. It's, uh, you know, I remember it's not blisteringly dry, but it's like dry. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, got a light color to it because, you know. Yeah. Yeah, because it's but, freaking Zinfandel. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah, I, I like I like Zinfandel, uh, a good Zinfandel. <laughs> but uh, t- tanning also can, can be coming from uh, the seeds, the stem, or even the oak. Yeah. Can contribute tanning. Uh, tanning sure. Yeah. So if you are going to do a white versus a red, make sure you get an unoaked one, steel tank only. Now listen, uh, I'm going to try this off uh, off the thing. What do we think of the hickory sticks? Enjoyable. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh yeah. Can we show the the bag in the camera yeah, so everyone can see? Yeah, I'm for that. I use a lot of hickory. I use a lot of hickory powder. Quinn, you you're a fan of the hickory sticks? Uh, actually, that was one of my dad's. Selections. Oh, all right. All right. All right. I mean, which ones, John, are we going to have the actual Hawkin cheesies with? Because that's the real... I don't know. That's the Canadian question. All right. So what's the second one we're going to have? Second wine we're going to have? Second we're going to have is another one from Finger Lakes. This is a Riesling. The reason why I bought this Riesling, because there are a lot of a misconception about Riesling that's always sweet. But this Riesling is 2019 vintage from Finger Lakes as well by Nathan K. Uh... It's really dry. Is this one? Um, Thank you. Thanks. Is this one completely unoxidized? Because if it is, I no. have a test. I have a test for you to do later at the end. Un- if we unoxidized, yeah. Oh yeah, okay, good. You're gonna like this test. I think Harold McGee says that I'm not right. So oh. we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. All right. So th- wait, you say Nathan for you? Nathan K. Oh, Nathan K. Nathan K. Uh, is an amazing uh, winemaker. Uh, who's from Finger Lakes. So after, like, I think studying and working abroad and came back in Finger Lakes and made his, uh, his wine. This is a very dry Riesling. It doesn't have these, uh, the petrol, the TDN, 
uh, on Riesling. No, but you know what's weird? I've always associated that kind of body in the mid palate on Riesling with that kind of petroly thing, but it has that body, but not the yeah, other yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. It's weird, right? So I guess it's two different compounds that cause that. But you know yeah. how like there's a almost a thickness to Riesling, like a body yeah. in the back. Like uh, I don't know how mm-hmm. to describe. What do you think, John? What's your What are your thoughts? It's good. I don't know. I'm, I'm terrible at describing. Oh, jeez, Louise, man. <laughs> Tastes like fermented grape juice. You you (laughs) taste like fermented grape juice. Well, so this uh, this question, and you, what are we going to eat with this? While I read Sargon's question, I realize you're an orange wine bar. So this, not only orange wine, not only orange wine. I realize you're an orange wine bar. So this question may uh, not be as welcome. I understand uh, almost, if not all, wines use a sulfuring agent. People believe that sulfuring agent is a thing that gives them headaches. I'm curious if you consider giving people gel capsules, a la MSG, of said compound. Uh, one real and then two placebo, and seeing if they get a headache or not. It could be a fun gimmick. Uh, and second, I realize you're not supposed to add a lot of sulfur to natural wine to halt fermentation. I've got to imagine this leads to a lot of spoilage and some amount of inconsistent product. You can say that right, Sargon. That's why old folks don't like natural wine and young folks do, right? I don't know. That's the, that's the uh, what's it called? The, uh, what's that? Remember when Fabulous and Jeremiah came on, John? Yeah. And that was the argument we had. It's like, I'm old. So yeah. I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, why don't natural winemakers employ other pasteurization methods such as light or radiation? Uh, these are as natural as the sun, although doing it in a bottle may be difficult. I got to imagine doing it in as thin a film as possible. And uh, I, uh, Sargon, you should go read Sulfite Concentration and the Occurrence of Headaches in Young as, uh, Adults, a perspective study uh, from, I believe, tw- like t- around 2017 to 2019. It is available online without a paywall, so you can check it out. And their conclusion is, in our group of subjects, sulfite concentration in wine is related to the risk of developing headaches in individuals who are susceptible to wine-induced headaches. And the methods were with... Uh, well, they actually did it with wine, but they did it uh, by doping it with sulfates or not. But the problem is, is that you can taste the sulfate sometimes. Anyway, what are your thoughts, Virgil? My thought is most of the headache, uh, not directly uh, because of the sulfites. It's because of the hydration. When you drink wine, you it's a very uh, refreshing drink, especially white wine. Uh, so you forgot to like drink water, and uh, so often the headache is from the hydration. Uh, Sulfites in that we use sulfites as well. It's it's a it's a byproduct of fermentation. A wine when you ferment it, it's produced sulfites. Uh, it's about like ten uh, mg milligrams for like a liter, uh, and the recommended I believe the limit in America is about three hundred fifty, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we use about like 30 to 50 only, so very low sulfites only that we use to to protect. It's it's a preserve. Preservative yeah, in I mean, a way, in a way. I mean, there are some people that I think don't measure it and jack the sulfites, yeah. and I do know that some people have actual like pretty hardcore reactions yeah. to sulfites. So you know people I mean? are very sensitive with sulfites, and that is, uh, it's, uh, I, I'm not saying, yeah, it's we, valid. So John had us taste with this. I'm not sure why. Ketchup potato chip, well, but, very acidic. Can I? Give, give, how about how about one of the? Um, how about one of the, the toffees sweets. to clear the okay. mouth? Yeah, yeah, let's just pass one. So, the, uh, so Quinn, your Canadian potato... Uh, first of all, I, I hope everyone who's listening knows that potato chip manufacturers change the flavors of their... Um, of their products from place to place. So, like, as you travel the world, you should get roasted chicken potato chips in every country you go to because the flavor is going to change slightly from location to location. And that's one of the ones I like to test is roasted roasted chicken potato chips. Um I had a really good one in Senegal. Senegalese roast, pot- uh, roast chicken potato chips were pretty on point. Um, 
And also, you should taste, you should, every country you go to, you should buy bouillon cubes because the bouillon cubes also taste different from country to country because they make them for whatever the local uh, kind of culture is. So, back to ketchup potato chips. I'm assuming that, Quinn, that the ketchup potato chips that you sent us from Canada, I think they taste different from the ketchup potato chips I've had here. They're, I would say, more tomatoey. What do you guys think about the ketchup potato chips? Yep, more tomatoey. Not, not as ketchupy as I thought they'd be. Oh, do you know what? Okay, so do you know what's a more tomatoey U.S. ketchup? Is Sir Kensington's is a more tomatoey ketchup. So if you're, if like if you have a gripe with them, it's actually because their ketchup is more tomatoey than the one you know than Heinz, the one that of course, as Wesley uh, Willis said, Heinz, America's favorite ketchup. All right, I'm going to clear out my palate with this. Uh, and let me ask. Wait, wait, wait! You just said Wesley Willis, like as in the guy from Chicago, mm-hmm. who headbutts everyone. No, back when he was alive. Right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Did you get headbutted by him? I wish. I never got to meet him. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, um, he died. So he died in two thousand and three, right? I forgot. Or two thousand and two. I didn't get turned on to him until like nine, until like two thousand, two thousand and one. After Napster, so I only got turned on to him like right, I think, before he died. Well, didn't like uh, Drag City do some like uh, archive collective of his works and stuff like that? I don't know. I never had. I had a CD or forty-five. I have probably Strange Man. I have a zillion Wesley Willis songs, and the Dax and I love listening to it. Jen hates it, right? But the fact of the matter is that one of the problems was so Wesley Willis was he was schizophrenic, and a lot of the times he lived on the street. He did amazing artwork. You should look at Wesley Willis' artwork. He's basically an outsider artist. Not basically. Wesley Willis was an outsider artist. And he also did this music. So he had this Casio or whatever it was, and he would play the standard beats on the Casio, like, like that. And then he would do these, he had a very set structure to his songs. And so a lot of people thought that, you know, that those of us that listen to Wesley Willis listen to him kind of to make fun of him, right? But the fact of the matter is, is that there is a real genius to Wesley Willis's work. And so while I'm sure there are some people who are listening to it like, ha-ha, this is crap, that's not the way I listen to it. You know what I mean? Like, I, um, I appreciate the guy's work. You know what I mean? And so, like, the structure is, you know, he'll tell a very matter-of-fact story then he'll have like a weird chorus that goes with it. Then there'll be a long, long bridge where he just like goes up and down, like sometimes chromatic, sometimes not on, you know, his Casio. Then he'll come back and he'll just say an advertising phrase. You know, Heinz, America's favorite ketchup. And then it's over. That's the song. And he, when you, in, when you were introduced to him, he headbutted you in the head, mm-hmm. which was a, um, uh, his, one of his favorite things to do. Mm-hmm. And you were very lucky if you were headbutted. Yeah, and so he he had all these stories where, like most of the, most of his violent songs are where he's positing violence against um, the voices in his head. So he's, he saw them as personified demons, uh, and he called them my mean schizophrenic demons. And so, like one of my favorites is my keyboard got damaged that song, and he's like, you know. You know so- so he basically, his demons say some, you know, say something to him. He's like, suddenly I yell F you on the airplane. And then he gets kicked off of the airplane as keyboard flies to Florida. My keyboard flew to Florida without me. 
And then like he gets to Florida and his keyboard got damaged. He's like, I'm, I'm, I was unhappy with it and it pissed me off. And that's the song. And then like he's just like, I was like, you know what? Like this is like a slice of his actual life because he had gotten famous towards the end. And so people were flying him around. And stuff like that would happen to him. You know what I mean? He has stories about getting kicked off of buses, getting kicked out of whatever, because, you know, he, he'll hear a voice and he yells at the voice. I mean, it's amazing work. It's, I, I was going to say, like, anyone who thinks that the only way to listen to Wesley Willis is, like, you know, as it, ironically, is a, is a dummy. Um, they're dummies. Anyway, Neko writes, Virgil, what is your favorite box wine? Asking for oh. a friend. Box wine, interesting. So first of all, box wine, box is a, it's a container of wine. So don't people will be like so snob, like oh, I don't drink box wine, but it's it's a it's a vessel to to put your wine. So it, it and the fact that we consume wine, now, more ninety percent of the wine that we get from the markets like should be drink anyway within a year, two years. So storing wine bottles somehow just became like it's another vessel, and you have a box wine, you have kind of wine. What's my favorite box wine? Probably the, uh, uh, there's one called Lab, L-A-B, from Portugal. And also there's another one, the House Wine. Uh, from oh, yeah, I know Walla those Walla. guys. Yeah. So the, yeah. those are really, really decent uh, box wine. You like uh, From the Tank? That's pretty cheap. You know those guys from the tank? They're, they're those French folks? No. So here's what I think. See what you think, Virgil. I think... Right, so like most of the most of the box wines, they're either like really cheap, right? Yeah, like eighteen dollars for three liters, yeah. or like maybe like a little, maybe like a little more, like maybe like twenty five, thirty. Mm-hmm. Like I would love like a fifty dollar box wine, a fifty dollar box wine, right? Because a fifty dollar box wine, you're looking at buying a thirty dollar bottle of wine, right? But getting it in a in a box, you're getting four bottles. Right, because if you figure that like an eighteen dollar box wine is uh, four bottles for eighteen dollars, someone do that math for me. Right, it's it's like five dollars a bottle, but really you're paying you pay for that bottle probably like eight fifty nine bucks. Right, right. So, so if that's the multiplier, right? If I'm paying, I could be paying thirteen or fourteen dollars the equivalent bottle in a box wine, but I could be drinking. Like twenty five, thirty dollar bottle of wine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Quality wise, like where quality the, wise. the cost to the producer, right? So let's assume that unlike liquor, where the actual cost of production is not related to the price, right? In liquor, they make a liquor. Not all liquors, but some liquors. They make the liquor and then they decide what the price is going to be. How? You know, I was in the room once when that was happening. Oh really? Oh my god! Uh, it blew my mind. I was. They were like. They were like. Yeah, we haven't figured out how much it's going to cost yet. I was like, Well, don't you know how much it's going to cost you to make? And they're like, Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> Well, do you know how much it's going to cost you to make? What do you mean you don't know how much it's going to cost to sell it? And they're like, Oh no, it's not about that. <laughs> they're like, We're going to set the market based on what we think the product is, and that's what the cost is going to be. Has nothing to do with how much it costs us to make. To make, and I was like, "Wow, what?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just did. I was like, "And, and now you get a glimpse into how we run our company." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> zing. Yeah. yeah. Nastasia yeah, is always good yeah. for a zinger. <laughs> She's the queen of the zing. I think Nastasia might be the queen of the zing. I don't know. I think so. Uh, so uh, we cleared our palate, by the way, uh, Quinn, with uh, Macintosh's 
uh, original, and because it's in Canada, they have to have it in French. L'original. Uh, creamy toffee. Toffee a creme. Is that the correct? Uh, creme. Creme. Anyway. Uh, but this tastes like legit British stuff. It's softer than the ones I'm used to, which I kind of like because although I do like the going from breaking my face off too soft while I'm chewing on it on like some of the old school. Remember the toffees with a hammer? You guys ever had the toffees with a hammer? You get the toffee and it comes with a hammer and then you use the hammer and you shatter the toffee into pieces because it comes as a single block. And you're like, boom, and you hit the toffee and it breaks apart and then you put it in your mouth and you're like, (laughs) and then it finally turns into toffee in your mouth. So there's something amazing about that. But I think this is a good middle ground. What do you think, Quinn? Actually, you're, you're eating all the ones that my dad selected, hey, except hey, for the ketchup chips. Hey, buddy. I like ketchup talk, chips. Talk to uh, John. John's the one picking what we're eating. I brought every single thing, with yeah. the exception of Smarties, because we know what Smarties taste like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, uh, tell your dad. Uh, tell your dad I enjoy toffee a lot. I have, did I ever tell this story on air? I will. I will. Real quick. When I was a child, I went to Madame Tussauds. Did I ever tell this story? In London. I was about to turn seven. I was six and like six and all, you know, a couple days from seven years old. And we were going to Europe because my mom got invited to uh, give a talk in France. So we did, we went to England, we went to France, and we went to uh, Holland. So we go to Madame Tussauds and we go downstairs to the Hall of Horrors. You guys ever been to like the, yeah. the original London, the Hall of Horrors? Mm-hmm. Now, it's probably like really cheesy for an adult, but for a six and change person, it was super creepy. And the one in London back then in the 70s, this was like 1977, they had the actual clothes of the murderers. So basically it was just wax figures of murderers with uh, with the clothes of the murderers that they had when they were executed put onto the wax with a story of their murders. That's, that's what the Hall of Horrors used to be. Is it still like that, John? It was when I was a kid. Yeah, I super was, scary. Wow, I loved it, though. I thought it was super cool. Well, how old were you? Uh, eight or nine. Uh, a couple of years is a big difference. You were like, you know. Fair. Yeah. That's like me and like a 30-year-old now. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, so anyway, so one of this... Uh, uh, murderers was a woman that was a nanny and she kept on murdering the babies that she was nannying, right? And she used to lure them in with toffee. And so I was eating this toffee, right, in London because I, like, I was there and I got turned on to toffee and I was like basically blasting through toffee, bla- blasting through it, you know, as a little kid. Like it was like my absolute, my two favorite candies, just so you know, I like the English kind of that kind of toffee. And I like gets his caramel cream. So I really like love that like cooked milk flavor, right? So my dad, like when he when I'm eating the toffee at night in the hotel room with crappy remember how bad English toilet paper used to be, John? Yeah. Oh my god. Not just English. It's like wax paper. Oh my god. It's like why would you wipe your butt with wax paper? Makes no sense. (laughs) Anyway. So my dad sees that she lures these babies to their death with with toffee, and then he looks at me. She also had like very pronounced kind of buck teeth, and he goes, "Want some toffee?" <laughs> and he would say that to me all the time, and it, like it, it totally bent my mind, man, ruined me. Nice, ruined me. By the way, I believe it is um, our friend uh, Quinn's uh, birthday, isn't it? What? Yeah, it is. I think we need to say a quick happy happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> oh, I like that. No singing the song though, Thank because. You. No singing this song. I'll tell you why. Song is very triggering for including my son. But I did not know that, Quinn. You didn't tell me this. Why do you not tell me this crap? Happy birthday, Quinn. Well, I don't know. Thank you. Happy birthday. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. 
No, or okay. Yeah. What? <laughs> not. I'm not going to do the how old are you now thing. I'm telling you, we're not going to do those traditional things. They're very triggering for people. Anyway. Um, That's fine. You definitely don't want to take your uh, autistic son who's triggered by the birthday song to birthday parties when he's a kid. Nothing's worse. Like, nothing is worse. That's not true. I'm sure there's worse things. Uh, Wizmerd, right? Wait, so Quinn sends us treats on his birthday. Yep. Quinn, that's well, I thought they would arrive potentially sooner, but anyways. I just get a giant box. No way. note. Uh, uh, yesterday, I opened the door. There's a giant box. No note. Full of Canadian products. And Quinn's like, oh yeah. Dad was supposed to put a note in. <laughs> yeah. All right, listen, John, the next time we better taste the coffee crisp because that's the one I know that Quinn likes. Oh, what about the cheesies? We need cheesies and coffee. We need both. And the wine gums. I'm oh, curious. Maynard's wine gums are delicious, but I feel we should have that as dessert to the wine. Okay. All right. So, uh, listen, you pour the next thing, and uh, I'll uh, read a question for you to answer. Oh, that smells very coffee Okay. More. Um, okay, so the question is, uh, Virgil, this is from uh, Wimsard. Can you talk a little bit about how to be wine literate in the current wine world? Where many, uh, sorry, in the current wine world where many of the traditional categories and markers of quality wine are less emphasized? Well, just be curious. Uh, drink wine, study wine, uh, whenever, because there are plenty of wines, right? It's, uh, and it's always changing. Uh, depends on the trend, depends on like... Uh, uh, the biggest wine producer country. I mean, like Portugal now is becoming a a big thing. Uh, they're getting a lot of attention, so it, it changed a lot. Like the orange wine now, it's a trend. Uh, skin I like it contact. though. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's a. Uh, it's not just skin contact, right? It's skin contact plus oxidation. Some like this one has almost like Ooh. no oxidation. This is skin contact. Nandi skin contact from. Talk, talk uh, about the aroma. On this. What are we? What yeah. are we? What are we? What are we drinking here? This is a uh, uh, Gerber Muscateller, or also known as the uh, uh, Muscat Petitgrand. Uh, this is from Rust in uh, Austria. It's closer to south of Vienna, basically southeast of Vienna, closer to uh, Hungary. Uh, it's very close to Hungary. I really want to go to Hungary. Yeah, it's it's a, it's really beautiful, and also it's funny. This area usually they have uh, they will hire like workers from Hungary because it's cheaper than getting a Austria. So, like, in, in that part of the, because they're very close and they kind of, like, speak the same language in a way. You know what I want to do? I want to fly into Vienna, like, go back to Vienna. I was only there for a couple of days. And then get rent a car and then go east. I think it would be the most fun trip. Oh, really? Like yeah. Slovakia? Yeah. like Hungary. Well, so are you familiar with Hungarian pepper pastes? Hungary, no. Hungarian pepper pastes are freaking delicious. They're like 20% salt. So it's basically like both salt and heat at the same time. There's like Eros Pista. And then the one that I have, which is, which I guess means like angry. There's, there's, there's like strong Steve and then there's angry Steve, but they don't call it that. But it's like a very hot, salty paste and a, like a, a regular salty paste and then a mild salty paste. Real good. Hungarian pepper paste. John, you got to get yourself on some Hungarian pepper paste, man. Yeah, that sounds great. Hungarian pepper paste is like big money, cash money. You can go to, um, 
You can go to the uh, Munkin Food Store in in they have it, and I think also Ridgewood Pork Store has it. Oh, nice! I love Ridgewood Pork Store. Who doesn't? We went there yeah. together. Remember yeah, that? Place is great. We smelled the we smelled the smoked meats from like a block and a yeah. half away. You park within two blocks of the Ridgewood Pork Store and just sniff your way to the door. It'd be deadly to live in that neighborhood. Oh my god! In Ridgewood, yeah. M- M- Munkin is it's not technically in Ridgewood, but it's like it's in Astoria, it, Munkin, right? Uh, there's two. Of, yeah. I don't go to the one in Astoria. Maybe it's the maybe it's the better one. I don't know. I'll go to the other one. The one love, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. That one in Astoria. Their their pork rinds are freaking oh. great. Shumar, they call that shumar. Really, I think oh it's an European word or Romanian word for the chicharrones. It's yeah. amazing. Oh my god! Every culture I've ever been to that has a good chicharron, I like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, Colombia has delicious chicharrones. Love them. I had late night, it's not really, it's not chicharron, but it's got that fried, like in, in the Philippines, yeah. in freaking, um, uh, you, you know, obviously anyone with a good crispy pork skin or like pork skin, yeah. I like it every way. I like it dry and fried. I like it greasy with the meat attached. You know what I mean? It's, it's funny. My my aunt just arrived from the Philippines, and my sister sent me a chicharron. Oh, really? <laughs> from the Philippines, from that area, it's known for like chicharron capital of the Philippines. Really? Yeah, yeah. So she sent me like a couple bags. Really? Oh my god, I would love to go back to the Philippines because I was there for such a short amount of time. What are your thoughts on Mang's all-purpose sauce? Oh, the Mang Tomas all-purpose yeah. sauce. Yeah. yeah, it's really, oh, I love, we love that. Yeah. So what's hilarious about it to me? For those of you that don't know, go buy it. I think it's. What's it made with? Is it like vinegar and bread and... Uh, liver. 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 So Mang's all-purpose sauce it is only actually all-purpose if all purposes are pork. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is like an amazing thing that you're just like, this sauce is good for every purpose because what other purpose could there be? Right, John? Yeah, yeah true. But we technically I use like it for it. any... Deepings for anything. Like really? We use it for uh, spring rolls. We use it for fish yeah. and... Other stuff, but it's mainly for lechon. This is yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah, so basically, it started like in in Manila when they he will originally will grill the liver and chop them and like and mix with vinegar and other spices. So is and, Mang Thomas a person? Yeah, I yeah he used to. I found I'm mistaken. He's from the capital and uh, he sell uh, lechon. Yeah, and yeah. he created that sauce. Now, I only had lechon at, like, 3.30 in the morning. Is that the right time to have it? There's no time for it. You can have it anytime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You put egg on it, that's going to be a breakfast lechon. (laughs) I got to go back to the Philippines. Oh, it was so good. I had such a good time there. All right. uh, So, John, what do you think of this wine? Mr. I don't have good vocabulary. I can't talk good about wine. It's enjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I'll take that. But this is the uh, uh, Lachtvogel, I found pronouncing correctly. It is Lachtvogel uh, by uh, uh, Wenzel. It means just, uh, I think it's decoy, uh, basically to lure people to drinking skin contact uh, instead because they will think it's kind of drink like a regular wine as well. Uh, but it's only nine days of skin contact, also unfiltered. Yeah, yeah you can see that. It's like yeah, got, it's the, got, got a little bit of that cloud, Yeah, which also scares old folks uh, like me. Uh, so what are we having with this? We having uh, what are we having? The now? coffee. All right, because Quinn crisp. would get bent real hard if we don't have the coffee crisp. He was like, he mentioned it like three times yesterday. <laughs> Let me figure out how to break this up. It's crisp. It yeah. breaks. I know, did, you, did you did you bring the Joe Louis as well? The Joe Louis are money. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, Here. I brought everything, Quinn. Yeah. 
I followed your right, instructions, man. Like, well, I wanted to have everyone dry before the uh, the locusts at your house consume everything. All right, so I'm gonna tell you a story in a minute. Oh, this is good. This is like, uh, I like this. So it's it's a coffee version of like it's denser. So like, um, you know the wafer cookies that you um that you kind of that I grew up with with like um. The fat goop in the middle, and the fat composition of the middle of uh, wafer cookies is actually quite interesting because um, the solid fat index of it is kind of uh, – it's an interesting mix, which I'll talk about some other lifetime uh, because it's intensely boring for everyone but me. But this has less of the fat, so it's more cookie, so it's a little bit denser, but it makes it quite crisp, and it's coated in chocolate. So the – the whatever you want to call it, the X pattern that's in the wafer is quite a small X pattern. It's not a big X pattern, right? What do you guys think? I liked it. Yeah. I like the crispiness. Very nice. And what's there's a center layer that looks different that almost looks like an expanded like a like a sea foam. There's a center layer of it that looks like a like a sponge like a sponge candy center layer. You see that? I like sponge candy. What do you think, Quinn? Why don't you talk about it for a second, since you since it, you're a fan? Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't noticed the different layers, but that was sort of my gateway into coffee flavor because, like, growing up, I didn't like coffee, but I'm like, well, I like coffee crisp, and now I like coffee flavor. It actually goes fine with the wine, interestingly, and uh, um, I typically don't like coffee-flavored things, but I do like this. Yeah, it's, it works really well with wine, yeah. surprisingly. Yeah, I was surprised, yeah. right? Yeah. Never tried it before, like sweet things with uh, uh, skin contact. Yeah, it surprisingly works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah shocking. Uh, all right, let me see. Another question. Uh, Jason Lynn writes in, what are your current favorite high-quality-to-price-ratio wine regions slash styles slash makers at the moment? Uh, region, I can say it's Bairada in Portugal. In the country, I think Portugal is really a hot spot right now for uh, a good wine. They improve a lot of their techniques and also you can buy a decent wine uh, with almost same structure, say like in Napa, but without paying the price of Napa Valley. The reason is most of the winemakers in uh, Portugal are, they've been their their vineyards been passed on generation after generation compared to Napa Valley. Like you you have to pay for the CEO, the winemakers, and everything, and you, the property alone in California is way higher than Portugal. Yeah, you know, there's a uh, a woman from New York who moved to Lisbon and is opening a bagel shop in Lisbon. So, oh. Oh. so yeah, yeah, she's going to Lisbon. You know, and also get uh, uh, if you can now try uh, enjoy Portugal now because we noticed the price is going up in Portuguese wine. <laughs> Oh really? Uh, yeah, because of that uh, trend right now. Do you, uh, do you know what? Um, I mean, I'm a hu- I like obviously I like port because I'm a human, but like uh, I don't drink that much Portuguese like regular table wine. But their cheeses are so crazy good. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Those prices went up like a decade ago. Yeah. Uh, what, what I have one of the wine that I have here is the Baga. Actually, it's uh, from Bayrada. Is that what we're on? Uh, what we're on next? Yeah. All right, why don't you pour that, and then I'll read the next question. Uh, Josh, Josh S. writes in, the Natty wine, not named after uh, your sister, Nastasia. <laughs> no. Yes, I know. Does she like it? Nice. I don't think, I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, second, I got to give John something to rinse. You don't, you don't have any idea at all? Come on, man. 
You haven't ever made that like cr- wisecrack oh. on her? She doesn't like that. She hates wisecracks. Anyway. Um, she does. All right. So the Natty Wine trend in my area has really just been a celebration. Ooh. All right. Josh is going to go hardcore on you. Ready, ready for him to go hard in the paint? Yeah, sure. All right. The Natty Wine trend in my area has really uh, just been a celebration of flawed wine. Flawed wine. And by the way, I have to say, in my own defense, like I'll say, give me whatever you want. Just make sure it's not overtly flawed. That's what I usually say. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so in Josh's area, he thinks it's been a celebration of flawed wine. What do you think it could, should be, uh, I guess, in contradistinction to that, or should it be at all? All right. Go. Well, not all natural wine are flawed. I mean, it's uh, it's became flawed because there's lacking of uh, other uh, substance that, that protect the wine, like sulfites, for instance. Uh, natural wine, basically nothing added, nothing removed. That's your uh, hardcore natural wine. Uh, so there is a very, it's very prone to, to flaws, uh, but also... There are some instances with very high NVA, uh, volatile acidity, uh, uh, but it's they're not all all bad. We have natural wine in our store that it's really good and it's not flawed. It, it's uh, it, it, there you can trace any uh, defects on the wine at all, uh, and also like flawed wine is. Like champagne was a flawed at one some point in 1600, 1700s. Bubbles was a... Bite your tongue! Exactly. A defect <laughs> on, on like a, a wine. The same thing, oxidation is also like a bad for lots of wine. But, you know, if you drink sherry, you need you want oxidation. Uh, so, yeah, drink a good natural wine. And also, it's not like a new thing. Natural wine is a new thing. It's the, in, in France, they've been doing natural wine since like 1950s, basically. Uh, in the 80s, it became really big uh, until now. But in America, we're just getting the, uh, the whole trend of natural wine. So, Quinn, we're eating uh, the Hawkins cheesies with this. I think Joe Hazen's appreciating the Hawkins yeah. cheesies. It's like a cheesy plus plus, right? Wow! It's like, sorry, it's like a Cheeto yeah. plus plus. Cheeto plus plus. It's like if if, if uh, Richie and whoever the other guy was when they came up with the language C, right? This is C plus plus. This is Cheeto plus plus. You know, I like the texture on this better, but I like the For sure. cheese flavor on the Cheetos better. I don't know, man. Them's fighting words. Now, okay, I'm gonna say this. Say the name of this wine again that we're drinking. This is the by uh, Sidonio, the salsa from Bayrada. It's made from 100 percent baga. How much would this cost in a, in a, in a, in a store? A bottle of that yeah. will cost probably like 20 bucks. I would drink the bucks. heck yeah. out of this. Exactly. I would drink the hell out of this. You know what? This is the reason why you should drink. I'm going to go take a bite out of a cow right now. <laughs> like, I want a steak real bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm having this wine. John, will you with me on this? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's great. I can tell that you're loving it, too. But it yeah. could go with a steak. I, I could have this with uh, lamb. I could have it on its own. On its own, yeah. Exactly. Baga is one of the, and this is 2016, so Baga is one of the few varieties that you don't want to touch it when it's really young because it's so high in acid, it's high in tannin, uh, you want to age it a little bit. Uh, it's also very hard to grow. This is coming from Bayrada, which you need the dry weather uh, climate to really grow a good Baga because it's very prone to like some uh, mildew and some like, it's kind of the same as Pinot Noir in a way when when it in comes terms to of growth, not in terms of taste, not in terms of taste. Yeah. Terms of taste, yeah. yeah. Uh, Quinn, which one of the, uh, which one of the cakes should we try? Cause we're going to run out of time. 
the jokes. Okay, I would do Joe Louis, the All chocolate right. ones. All right. So we're going to eat those real quick, and then those I'll... Are, those are... What? Yeah. Go ahead. That's the money? Yeah, those are those are my childhood those are my childhood favorite. My uncle used to work as a trucker for the company. So birthday was like boxes of Joe Louis. Alright, so basically the Vachon Corporation has been making Joe Louis since nineteen twenty three. They come ooh, they're softer than I thought. They're they they kind of look like a like a like a miniature whoopie pie dipped in chocolate, for those of you that can't uh, see what we're doing here. And is it named after the boxer, Joe Louis the Boxer? Or is it Joe Louis? That is it Joe I don't Louis? Know. Do you pronounce him Joe Louis? It is or? Joe Louis. Because right. <laughs> here in the Louis, U.S. Yeah. Oh, they're soft. Hold on a second. That's good. Oh my God. It's like eating chocolate it's air. It's like a better hostess. Yeah. It's like eating chocolate air. Exactly. It is a better hostess. Yeah. It <laughs> is. And it's, um, it's got a little bit of redness. So, like, clearly they, um, it's got some like alkaline stuff going on in it in the in the cocoa powder. That's big money. I like that, Quinn. That's delicious. Mm-hmm. All right, now I have a te- I have a test for you to run. You ready? Mm-hmm. Ready? This is the McGee test. I hope we can run it real quick. Hand me the thing, the oil. Right oh, here. here it is. So now, first of all, does this smell rancid to you at all? Don't don't read what it is. Don't do anything. Just tell me whether it smells rancid to you. It smells like something, but it doesn't smell rancid to me. Not rancid, right? Is it rancid? You it can tell. Like piney. Right, right, but not rancid, right? right? Do we have what's the closest thing we have to neutral to pour a little bit of that on? Um, maybe the hickory sticks. Yeah. All right. Put some of the put some of that on the hickory. So what what I'm passing around is um is prickly prickly uh prickly ash like you know Sichuan pepper prickly ash oil. Oh, that's right. All right. And I have this theory. Dip, dip it, dip, dip it, so we can taste the. Uh, you want me to put it right in there? Uh, no, no. Uh, where's the cap? Pour, pour some of the oil in the cap, and then we'll just you dip have it. the cap. I do. Right. All right. Yeah. Here, pour some oil in the cap. So I noticed that uh, when I had this oil, and then so you know how orange wine goes really well with um, food with Szechuan pepper in it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I noticed that I was drinking an unoxidized wine. That's why I asked you about the reason. It does not taste oxidized, right? That after I after I have the uh, the oil, unoxidized wine tastes oxidized to me. Oh, interesting. Yeah, but you have to get a good, decent dose on your tongue. Right? So I'm I'm getting a good, decent dose, and we're gonna see. Are you do it? Well, I need more chips. Oh my god. So pour me a little more of the uh, let's rinse this delicious wine. I can rinse this. Yeah. All right. So then, John, yeah, you have to wait. So we should you should eat a little bit of the chocolate. I don't want you to have the flavor of the prickly ash oil in your mouth because I don't want that to be the flavor. I want it to just be an effect on your tongue. You have to completely coat your tongue with the oil. All right. Yeah. While you're doing this, guys, Cypress Hill writes in, question, have you figured out a way to measure the real stove BTUs, that's British thermal units, by boiling water, hoping it's in your book of soap? The problem, Cypress, is that BTUs are a measure of how much energy is going into your stove, and what you're trying to measure is is how, uh, how effectively does that stove put that energy into a pot, and that's going to depend on a lot of things, on how big your pot is compared to the burner whether the flames are overdriven or not. 
So there's no way for me to calibrate how fast I boil water on my stove to the way that you would boil it on your same gas stove with the same number of BTUs, right? This is one of the reasons I don't like people fighting BTU wars. They should think about how long it takes them to boil water. Um, but it's an interesting question, and I do deal with it or will deal with it in the book. Have you guys mellowed out your taste enough so that you feel like you can accurately taste the wine? Yeah. All right. Taste it now. See whether or not um, it tastes oxidized to you. Just be honest if you don't. Did it change at all? It does, but uh, I think it's just the uh, Szechuan pepper kind of combining the... Right, but it combines to me to make it taste more like an orange wine. Yeah. Because of... Yeah. Which is interesting, right? uh, I mean, to me, it's an interesting test. It is, yeah. It's, uh, it's. I don't know why, but. Virgil, thank you so much for thank coming you. on, bringing these delicious wines. Nastasia feels dumb that she didn't get to have them because she would have really enjoyed them. Uh, I like this Portuguese oh, variety. Yeah. I haven't had this freaking uh, foxy grape. Foxy grape is would be one of my whatever they call them names. I love that. Uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Cooking issues. Thank you.